So good morning everyone and good morning everyone on Zoom. To give this talk a title today, it's called The Virtue of Being Useless. And uh, in our Zen diary we have on the wall where there's a different saying for every day. The saying for yesterday was, if you learn to use a perfect afternoon in a perfectly useless manner, you have learned the meaning of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you um, learn to use a perfect Sunday morning uh, doing a Zazenkai in a perfectly useless manner, you've also learned the meaning of life. Um, in, in general, and particularly our, our modern kind of life, um, when you reflect on it, so much of what we do um, is oriented towards a goal, or always goal-seeking, and the goal-seeking, you know, must also have utility. There must be a purpose in it. There must be an outcome in it, which is always future-directed. But it's sort of, you know, you're wasting your time, you know, unless there's a, a purpose to it and a goal to it and there's something that will be a benefit to you or benefit to others. And if you practice Zen in that way, Sometimes people can do it for a long time, for a lifetime, practicing that way. You kind of miss the point of what a Zen training is. And as a, uh, sometimes these things are best illustrated in stories, but there is a, a story in the writings of Chung Tzu, who was the Chinese Taoist um, philosopher, talked about the Nal tree. And there's an aisle tree with all twisted limbs and it looks pretty ugly and so on. But the carpenters can't use it for anything. They have to use the straight trees, the straight limbs. So the gnarl tree gets, doesn't get chopped down, you know. That's, that was the virtue of being useless. You don't get chopped down. And it's very interesting too in, in, light, of, uh, in the light of how we understand, beginning to understand um, disabilities in human beings these days too. It, there's also a story in, in one of Chung Tzu's tales that it's not only the gnarled tree, you know, doesn't cut down, you know, and, and is useless, but, 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 um, but exists. And, and children born with disabilities, you know, with twisted limbs and so on, well, they don't get conscripted into the army. Right? They'd have to do hard labour all the time, you know. And so there's a virtue also, you know, in that as well. Everything has its virtue. And if we look into uh, not just, you know, Asian literature, but you look into English literature, um, one of my favourite books, I didn't actually, don't remember reading it as a child, but as an adult, and I read it a few times, you're probably very familiar with it, The Wind in the Willows. Uh, with the characters of Mole and Badger and Ratty, and then there's Toad. And Mole and Ratty and and Badger are all sort of living a useless life. Like they, they muck around in boats on the river and they just have fun. And in contrast, it's Toad who has to get into the bigger and better and faster cars who've got the big ego, you know, who they end up have to rescue. You know, um, but it's a it's a tale of, of innocence. You know, it's a tale of um, the the, uh, the uselessness of doing nothing and the enjoyment of doing nothing, which is basically about play. 
And again, from from um, our English culture, even a, a, a very esteemed uh, philosopher like Bertram Russell uh, wrote a, uh, an essay called In Praise of Idleness. And true to his word, when he was invited out to Australia to do a tour, it was put into his into his contract that he wasn't to work, work more than two hours a day, <laughs> so that he had plenty of time for idleness. He's a, a smart man. <laughs> but we really, when you, when you think about it, we don't underestimate and really reflect on how much our lives are driven towards a goal all the time. Um, how much it has to be purposeful, it has to have some utilitarian function to it. And if it doesn't, well, we're just wasting our time, you know, is, is how we think about it. But the nature of doing sasing is, if you really understand sasing, it looks like it's hard work or we can make it into hard work. And it often is hard work when we begin beginning to learn how to do it. But as you do it over a lifetime, you see that just sitting in this position, being quiet, being still, is an act of play. You know, it's kind of like it becomes recreation rather than becomes work. And if you do that over a lifetime, something does shift. And just personally, the other day, um, I was walking through the shopping centre at um, DY, which is where I grew up as a boy. And so I spent many times walking, walking through the shops there. And I had some business to do down there. And then when I was walking around, I reflected how, how differently my experience is of being a human being, to particularly when I, when, when I was an adolescent. And if I was walking through those same shops as an adolescent, um, I would have been more worried about what people thought about me. Would have had a head full of thoughts, you know, and doubts, and and chasing things, avoiding things. And now, I just walk through this. It reflected. I just walk through the same place, and it's like I'm just walking, you know, just walking through the streets. And there's so so less going on in my head than what there was when I was an adolescent. Um, so you, you return to a state of, of playfulness. Now, if sasin is just a state of playfulness, um, then is it okay for me to daydream? Mm -hmm. Is daydreaming a form of playfulness? Well, some might be, but a lot of the a lot of the daydreaming that we do is really just an internal playing out of our grasping and aversion, you know, it's only it's in a fantasy world, but a lot of it has got a, a driven kind of quality to it. We're chasing something after something, or we're, we're trying to run away from something. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of daydreaming, while it might seem like it's just idleness, is not actually idleness. It's, it's not, it's, it's got a purpose, it's got a purpose to it. Sometimes there is daydreaming as in um, the way we may you know, use our minds creatively, um, where there, there is a sense of play to it, you know, and sometimes you're just sitting down after you've done a bushwalk and you're looking at the clouds 
and different interesting words or phrases come to you, you know, and it's like you're not trying to do anything. It just kind of comes to you. And those thoughts have a different kind of quality to them. But that's why it's important when we do sasen that if, if you're really going to experience the play of being alive rather than the work and the drama of being alive, <coughs> it does require being focused because a lot of that daydreaming is, is simply got a very, very driven quality to it. But when, when you're in peaceful sasen, you still get thoughts floating into your mind but they don't, they don't have this hardness behind them. They're sort of just gentle and they're soft. <clears throat> so if you look at the three different aspects of Zen practice, which are insight, meditation and the precepts, they're all useless. Right? They're all they're all, in sense an experience of play. You look at insight, and when we're caught up in a very purposeful, utilitarian kind of life, and we're driven, then life seems like a fight between opposites all the time. You know, fight between life and death, fight between you and me, a war between you and me. Status drive. You know, driven towards status being bigger and better. Etc. <clears throat> but the insight, the essential insight of Zen, is certainly there are opposites in the world. There's life and death. There's there's night and day, etc. But what you see is that they're just in play with one another. They're not opposed to one another. They complement one another. You know, they've been called the coincidence of opposites. So yes, they're still there, um, but they're not in a struggle. And if you see life in that way, if that's truly what the inside is and you embody it, then you live your life not being in opposition, you know, not fighting things, not trying to be better, you know, and get out of being worse. You, you, you become a child again in some ways. Meditation is a way of just being present in the flow of the present moment. And when you're flowing in the present moment, rather than just drifting along in daydreams, there's a sense of playfulness like that as well, like a ball in a mountain stream that's just bouncing around. And even the precepts too, you know, they're called the, the ten grave precepts, which sounds very, very serious, but they're called the ten grave precepts because in one sense you, you need to take seriously how you may do harm in the world, but when you take up the precepts, um, you actually, it's the, paradoxically, it's the opposite effect. It's like there's a, um, a, a lightness of being that comes from taking them up. And again, at the root of it is playfulness in the precepts, because we get caught up in breaking the precepts, like stealing, lying, trying to be superior to others because it comes out of our calculating mind. Right? The calculating mind that's always got an angle on something, wants to be better, wants to be useful. Um, whereas a child, what happens in, in practicing the precepts 
is that we move out of this calculating mind into a kind of like a, want of a better word, innocent mind, right, with just our, our true nature before we got caught up in all of this comparing and thinking. So even the precepts, you know, <coughs> seem like a rather, you know, serious thing to take up, are at their essence a form of play and they're all useless, right? So insight, meditation and the precepts are all pointing towards uselessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a very different life um, when, when it shifts in that way. There's been so much written about mindfulness in particular, about, but about Buddhism as well in general, uh, where it, but it's written about with this sort of very utilitarian approach, like we talk about all the health benefits of it. It's good for your physical health and it's good for your mental health and it'll help you to be more successful in your life in various way, kind of ways. Totally misses the point. Totally misses the point. And if you, if you, do, if you do practice in that way, always thinking about what the benefits will be and where you'll get to, you'll complete to miss the point. Um, but when you drop into the virtue of uselessness, there's no purpose in this. There's not even a meaning to it. See, people even, not only do people look for a purpose in what they're doing, we're looking for a meaning in what they're doing. For those of you who are parents, you know, or, or play with children, is there any meaning in tossing a ball backwards and forwards between your child? Right? No, and yes, that's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is just tossing a ball back and forwards with your child. That's the meaning of life. What's the meaning of life? Just sitting like that. Doesn't have to have any great philosophical theory associated with it. Just sitting here breathing is meaningful. So in ending this talk, um, not only do I hope you have a, a useless Sazenkai, but I hope the rest of your day is useless. <laughs> and I hope the rest of your life is useless as well. Thank you.